It's time for America Outdoors Radio, the show that covers the outdoor scene across the U.S. of A. and the entire continent. Fishing, hunting, conservation, outdoor recreation, and great destinations, we cover it all every week. It's your country, your outdoors. Let's explore it together with your host, John Cruz. Welcome to the show. I had a interesting encounter earlier this week while I was out hiking. As many of you know, I live in Washington State on the eastern slope of the Cascade Mountain Range, and I was hiking an old logging road along some ridge lines. Went about two and a half miles and it turned around and was heading back, and about 30 yards ahead of me, there was a big crash in the brush right by the side of the road. I didn't see the animal. The animal clearly saw me first, and it wasn't any chipmunk or squirrel like I'd been seeing earlier. No, this was a big animal. What happened next is what was concerning. As you know, deer and elk, they usually run away from you, but this animal actually started going up the hill towards me, and it stopped about 25 yards away from me. So it was above me, about 25 yards away, and I'm thinking I'm dealing with a bear at this point. Now, I was carrying bear spray, and I got it out, and I start saying, hey bear, hey bear, and start slowly walking away. And whatever animal that was, never moved. It just sat up there and was either hiding or hiding and watching me. Well, about a hundred yards after that, part of the logging road was sandy. And walking up it, I had noted that there was one set of tracks from a hiker that had come and gone earlier, but now there was a new set of tracks there. And they weren't bear tracks, they were cougar tracks. So, never saw the animal. Can't say for sure it was a cougar, but it sure looks like it was based on those tracks and based on what happened and the behavior of that animal. Wish I could have seen it, but then again, maybe I didn't want to see it too close. This week on America Outdoors Radio, we'll be talking with David Hurley. He's an editor for Western Outdoors News, and he's going to share an in-depth saltwater and freshwater fishery report from Northern California. And after hearing this, you'll probably be doing some California dreaming of going fishing there. After that, we'll get a chance to chat with John Locks with the Nebraska Game and Parks Commission about upland bird hunting opportunities in Nebraska for pheasant, quail, partridge, and prairie grouse which opens up on September 1st. With lots of birds and plenty of publicly accessible land to roam, the Cornhusker State looks to be a great place to go bird hunting this year. In the latter part of our program, we'll check in with Keith Eshbaugh. He's a fishing guide and the owner of Dutch Fork Custom Lures in Pennsylvania. Walleye fishing has been great lately in many big lakes across America, and Keith will tell you where to go right now to catch these tasty fish to include Lake Erie, which has been on fire for walleye of all sorts of age classes and is arguably the best walleye fishery in North America right now. In addition to this, we'll tell you about an angler who caught a marlin worth $4.5 million. Wow! And how you can make $10,000 going fishing. All you have to do is catch a record smallmouth bass out of a specific New Mexico lake by September 30th, and you'll get ten grand. We'll tell you where that lake is later in the show. Throw in a sweet story about the staff at a national fish hatchery in Kentucky who are helping senior citizens at nursing homes go trout fishing, and I'd say we've got quite a bit of fishing and hunting content for you in the hour ahead. Before we get to all that, though, let's talk about grilling game birds and more for the Labor Day weekend. 
Next up on America Outdoors Radio, we've got our friend Brooks Hansen on the line. He's the PR manager for Camp Chef, longtime sponsor of our show and makers of great outdoors cooking items. Whether you are after a backyard grill or a pellet grill or a camp stove or all sorts of other things, too, to help you really enjoy cooking outdoors. Brooks, great to have you on the air. Hey, John, it's good to be here. Summer's winding down. Labor Day is coming up quick, and I thought we'd talk a little bit about grilling up some good food for the Labor Day weekend. Question. I'm thinking you might know the answer to this. I'm sure they've done surveys. What's the most popular food item grilled up by Americans during the Labor Day weekend? You know, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking it's got to be like chicken or some sort of beef. And the more I delve into it, it's, it's burgers. And uh, something cool along those lines is our flat-top grills have been so popular recently because people are doing smash burgers rather than your traditional hamburger. And so a little bit of research that I've done and what we've kind of been able to uh, experience here at Camp Chef is flat-top grilling is getting so popular, and smash burgers is a way to go to cook that burger because burgers are getting more and more popular. Well, that probably has something to do with prices, too, since meat's gotten so expensive. Burgers are still relatively affordable. I have a, an admission to make, though. I've had smash burgers. I know they're really popular. I have no idea how to make them or what the difference is between a regular burger. Explain that to me. You've got a ball of meat. You probably, if you're doing a quarter pounder, you get like a quarter pound of meat that's a ball. You throw it on a really hot flat top grill, and then you smash it with a spatula or a meat press of some sort on the grill, which makes it a lot more tender, and you can smash it pretty thin. It's just easier to eat. I like any type of burger. But, uh, yeah, so you just start with a ball of meat, and you smash it while the heat's on it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it makes it a little more tender. Another thing to go along with that is when you talk Labor Day, it's the end of the harvest, right? Right. So grilled vegetables are so popular from, you know, doing corn on the cob all the way to all your zucchinis and any type of things that you've harvested all summer. Grilled veggies is such a popular thing in the fall. Do you tend to season the hamburger meat before you throw it on the grill, or do you do it afterwards? I season before. So I I usually do salt and pepper, like a real uh, thick, coarse salt. Um, Sometimes I'll use a little burger seasoning. There's various different types. And I'll season the whole ball in it and then smash it there. All right. Let's talk a completely different subject here, because September 1st in a lot of states is the opening of morning dove season. And I know I have really enjoyed dove kebabs in the past. Do you have any suggestions for how to make these? You know what? I love a good dove kebab. So my special take on a dove kebab is a little piece of mango with them. I think mango pairs really good with dove kebabs, and it grills well. So if you've got your dove kebabs, maybe brine them, season with salt and pepper, and then grill them with a little mango. Oh, that sounds delicious. I'm going to definitely try that. What are you marinating the dove kebabs in? There's a lot of different things that you can do, like a soy sauce or teriyaki. You can just brine it with, you know, one part brown sugar, one part salt, and two parts water. Just brine it and help any of that capillary blood or anything that's in the dove meat out. Or just like a ginger soy sauce teriyaki sauce. There's a lot of different options that you can... I don't have one specific one. I just kind of see what's in the fridge and what I know pairs well. Well, they all sound delicious. Now, I know that when it comes to any wild game, overcooking is not your friend. How hot 
do you have the grill, and how long do you keep the kebabs on? Well, a dove breast is super small, right? We're talking about golf ball size on some. And so I try to go, I want a good sear on it because I like a little bit of the crust. Right. And like you said, you don't want to overcook it. So I usually put the grill around 400 degrees, and I grill it for about three to five minutes. This sounds fantastic. And I guess last question is this. I know it's a couple weeks out, but I know you're always thinking about grilling food. Do you know what you're going to be cooking for uh, Labor Day weekend this year? You know what? I haven't thought that far ahead, but I did the other day notice that uh, I had a big beef loin in my freezer that needs to be cooked. Ooh. So whether I'm going to break it down into steaks or cook it whole, that kind of caught my eye the other day. I thought, I'll save that when we have some friends over for Labor Day. So I might be doing that big beef loin so I can get some wild game. Oh. Well, that sounds absolutely delicious. Well, there you go, folks. Labor Day weekend is coming, and whether you want to cook up hamburgers or dove kebabs or maybe something special like a beef loin or just head on over to Brooks House in Utah, there's some good food waiting for you. And if you want to grill it up right, do it with something from Camp Chef. You can find out more at CampChef.com. They've got all sorts of recipes there, too, and you'll find Camp Chef products and quality sporting goods stores and all sorts of other stores all over America. Brooks, thanks as always, and enjoy your Labor Day weekend. You too, John. Thanks for having me on. We've been telling you about Sportsman's Cove Lodge in southeast Alaska for a while now, and there's a reason. They are the only Alaska lodge we talk about in this show. It's because they're truly Alaska's best lodge. The adventure starts with a float plane ride from Ketchikan, after which you'll get the chance to experience some of the best hospitality, food, and wonderful people you'll ever meet. Wildlife is abundant, from bears and deer to eagles and whales, and let's not forget the reason you're here, the fishing. Halibut, salmon, lingcod, rockfish, true cod, and more. It's all waiting for you in abundance at Sportsman's Cove Lodge. Book your trip today at alaskasbestlodge.com. That's alaskasbestlodge.com for Sportsman's Cove Lodge. Hunt of a Lifetime is a nationwide nonprofit organization dedicated to providing hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under who suffer from life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. These adventures make big differences in the lives of those who participate in them, and in many cases are literally a dream come true that brings hope and therapy to their lives. Find out more, get involved, or donate today at huntofalifetime.org. That's huntofalifetime.org. Huntofalifetime.org. In today's news, I'm cooking a brisket. Let's go to Jill at my house to see how it's going. This is your house and you brought me and the crew to check on your brisket? That's correct, Jill. How's it looking? This is a Camp Chef Woodwind Wi-Fi. You know you, you can check your cook right from your phone, right? I didn't know that was an option, Jill. Well, never mind. But before you leave, can you feed the dog? What? No, no. When we get back, why is my check engine light on? The answer may shock me.
Are you looking to reel in the marketing opportunity of a lifetime? Then set the hook because we've got it right here for you. America Outdoors Radio has sponsorships available, and we offer affordable platforms to reach thousands of listeners interested in fishing, hunting, and the outdoors. Find out more by contacting John Cruz through his website at americaoutdoorsradio.com. That's americaoutdoorsradio.com. Hurry, though. If you wait too long, the big opportunity might just get away. americaoutdoorsradio.com. Next up on America Outdoors Radio, we are taking you to the Golden Bear State of California because there's a whole lot there going on when it comes to fishing. And the folks that cover fishing best in that state, that would be Western Outdoor News. We've got the Northern California editor on the line, David Hurley. David, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity to extol the virtues of Northern California fishing. Well, there's a lot to offer, that's for sure. And why don't we start off in the saltwater? I know where I live in the Pacific Northwest, it's been a very good year for salmon fishing out in the salt. How has it been in California? It's been one of the best years in decades. You know, the key has been the Golden State Salmon Association, which is an organization of party boat captains and recreational fishermen, have been working really diligently with the National uh, Fish and Wildlife Service and the state of California Fish and Game to truck the salmon closer to the release point at the the Golden Gate. And that's been ongoing for the last couple of years. And it is paying dividends. I mean, we have, you know, anywhere from Monterey Bay all the way up to Bodega Bay, salmon fishing has been outstanding this year. It's been more problematic above Bodega Bay, Fort Bragg's, Crescent City really haven't rounded into form, but a lot of that has to do with what's been taking place on the Klamath River. But trucking the salmon, releasing them at Fort Mason, you know, you see about a 400% survival rate over releasing them way upriver, and uh, it has made all the difference. This has been an incredible year. The weather has slowed things down the last couple of days. You know, we've had gusts of 30 mile an hour off the coast, and the scores have dropped, you know, as a result. But this is the time, this next month, you're going to see some fish, I'm going to say close to 40 pounds. We already had a 39-pounder brought in last week, and these are all big spawners ready to come in. Wow. So it's unbelievable. Wonderful news. Let's uh, turn our attention to other saltwater species. I know Southern California gets all the press for tuna. Do you have much of an albacore tuna bite there in Northern California close to shore? You know, we will at times. Fort Bragg, the water was within nine miles a couple of weeks ago, and guys that were actually overrunning the top of the albacore because they were thinking they were out deeper. But they had a good shot. Uh, Brookings had a good shot in southern Oregon this last week. You know, they were getting 35 to uh, 40 fish per trip out there. But it's really been concentrated on the anywhere above Fort Bragg. Fort Bragg north has been the, the Eureka has been the spots for tuna this year. It's just a matter of getting, you know, a couple of days of calm weather, and we have those little fingers of water that move in. We haven't had albacore consistently close to the San Francisco Bay Area for years. There was a shot where somebody went out 65 miles and picked up nine fish, but that's a long way at this fuel prices to go for a few fish. But we do get them, and when they do, everybody gets excited around here. You know, the other thing that's happened in the last couple of years is we've had bluefin tuna that have shown up close to shore off of Monterey as well as Half Moon Bay. And that gets everybody fired up when those bluefin come in. Because you don't need the warmer water like you do with the albacore. 
So right. we haven't had that happen so far this year, but the last two years, late in the year, they've shown up. So that's been great. One more saltwater fishery we should talk about is halibut. How is that going? You know, with the warmer water that's been existing in the bay, we've, and we've had these tremendous anchovy schools both inside and outside the bay, this has probably been the best halibut year in memory, even though we've had some really good ones the last few years. And uh, prior to this wind blowing, you know, early August, those halibut will move outside the Golden Gate, and that's when you find the big ones along the North Bar or along the beaches. And, you know, limits were the routine. I mean, they were the rule. You have boats coming in with 25, three fish limits of halibut. It has been that good. You know, this to me is one of the funnest species to do is uh, drifting live anchovies over the flats there and, and just letting them load up on your rod. And, you know, uh, we're looking forward in the next couple of weeks to the bigger fish being on the beaches. Let's head inland. Everybody's been hearing a lot about the drought that's affecting the western U.S. and about reservoir levels dropping in a lot of our western states. How is it in Northern California, and how is it affecting the fishing for trout and other species? Well, as far as trout, it has not been as impactful because uh, there is a strong planting program. But largemouth bass, um, there's certain lakes that have been severely affected by the drought. Eagle Lake in the northern part of the state has been affected for trout because uh, the launch ramp is still viable, but there is only one launch ramp at the lake. And as the lake continues to drop with uh, evaporation through the summer, uh, we see that even a couple of inches makes the difference. That lake had been really producing well prior to uh, uh, being able to get out on the water. New Maloney's has dropped considerably, and that's an excellent lake for kokanee and trout. Right. That has dropped considerably in the last few weeks, but it's now dropped to the point where the launch ramp is back in the water. So there are two ramps there. Clear Lake has probably suffered the most. There's only one launch available there, and there are algae blooms on the lake. That lake is the last two years. That's that one of the best largemouth bass fisheries in the United States. But getting a boat on the water is only the Fifth Street launch is available now. And all the tournament action has been taking off except for kayaks. So, yeah, there has been clearly effects of drought in the state. No question. Probably most significantly on the Sacramento River run for salmon because the warm water really affects the ability of the salmon coming up the river to spawn. We lost a tremendous percent of the of the salmon spawn last year due to high water temperatures. Go ahead and uh, give us one more place that folks ought to consider fishing inland for whatever species you want this summer. Boy, any of the, any of the lakes <laughs> for kokanee have just been outstanding. Stampede Reservoir and a real sleeper has been Lake Tahoe. Lake Tahoe's had an outstanding kokanee bite the last two weeks, and it's going to hold out for the next month. You know, those high elevation lakes last longer. The kokanee bite continues to last longer. Uh, Stampede is in the Truckee area. That's also a great location. Lake Trout at Lake Tahoe's also been outstanding. So those are some really great places. I'd go to the high country. We're expecting triple-digit temperatures this week, so 6,000 feet feels a whole lot better or the, along the coast as well. Amen to that. Let's uh, finish off by telling folks a little bit about Western Outdoor News. Uh, this publication's been around quite some time. How can folks subscribe to it? Very simple. They can just go to the wonews.com. We have a digital issue that comes out on Tuesday. So let's say today, you know, we submit our reports anywhere from Northern California all the way through Southern California. Those reports will come out on tomorrow by noon digitally with a hard copy coming out in print on Friday. So it's a simple process. Uh, 
And uh, the digital is actually a really good deal. It's about $20 a year. And it's going to provide you tremendous information. And uh, we are moving now more to uh, features and how-tos in addition to reports. So I think there's a lot of information that will be coming out every week if people are interested in California and Southern Oregon fishing. All right. The website again, wonews.com. That's wonews.com for Western Outdoor News. Check it out. Subscribe today and you will be in the know about fishing again all throughout California and Southern Oregon too. David, thanks so much for sharing this with us today on America Outdoors Radio. Thank you very much for the opportunity. This portion of the show is brought to you by our friends at WorkSharp. And if you're going fishing and plan on bringing home anything, you're going to need to have some sharp fillet knives. And you might want to check out some of the new releases that WorkSharp has. It includes the pull-through knife sharpener, a ceramic honing rod, the kitchen edge knife sharpener, and the professional electric kitchen knife sharpener. All of these will get those fillet knives sharp and ready to go for you, along with any other knives you need to sharpen too. Check out these new products and more at WorkSharpTools.com. Again, that's WorkSharpTools.com. And look for them too at quality sporting goods stores and other stores all over America. Explore the Dalles in Oregon for outdoors fun. Hike amongst the wildflowers, bike our riverfront trail, or visit the Gorge Discovery Center where you can enjoy a live raptor display. Or even check out our National Neon Sign Museum. But don't forget the fishing. We've got salmon, steelhead, bass, walleye, and monster-sized sturgeon waiting just for you. When the day is done, tell those tall tales at one of our wineries, breweries, or restaurants and plan your next adventure. Find out more at explorethedalles.com. Sportsman's Cove Lodge in Southeast Alaska is booked for the season, which means now is the time to book for next year. And you'll want to do so soon because at the end of a typical summer, the lodge is over 80% booked. The reasons? The great fishing, the wonderful location, the comfortable accommodations, the fantastic food, and the over-the-top customer service. You'll find it all at Sportsman's Cove Lodge. Book today at alaskasbestlodge.com. back in with America Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. Our next stop today is the state of Nebraska. The Cornhusker State has got a whole lot of opportunities for upland bird hunters. And with us here to tell you more about it is John Locks. He's the Upland Habitat and Access Program Manager for the Nebraska Game and Parks Commission. John, welcome to the show. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me. So I understand that prairie grouse season opens in Nebraska on September 1st, but I've got a question here. When we talk prairie grouse, are we talking greater prairie chickens, lesser prairie chickens, sharp-tailed grouse, or something else, or all the above? You bet. You bet. So, yeah, Nebraska's home to, to two species of what we collectively call prairie grouse. We have greater prairie chickens and sharp-tailed grouse in the state. And what's the difference between the two? 
You know, they do uh, look pretty similar to the untrained eye. They utilize similar habitats, and they're generally kind of managed together in terms of hunting seasons and harvest. But there are some slight differences in appearance. Greater prairie chickens have kind of more of a barring on their belly and chest that's pretty unique, whereas sharp tails kind of have a lighter underside with more or less V-shaped markings on on their chest and belly. But again, these birds utilize many of the same habitat types. You know, they rely on large blocks of grassland, pretty much devoid of trees and other obstructions. Uh, and they're, they're often found in kind of that mid-height grass, shin to knee-high, uh, big, large, open expanses of grassland, which are pretty common in our state. I have heard that they like those knee-high grasslands because they can actually see what's coming at them from a distance. Is it pretty tough to get in range of these birds? You know, they can tend to be a little cagey, especially later in the season. But early on, our season's open uh, September 1st for prairie grouse. And usually that first month in September and early October offers some pretty good opportunity, you know, for some good dog work. Birds will hold a lot better early in the season. So here's a question. When it comes to hunting in Nebraska, are there a lot of public land hunting opportunities or are you knocking on doors and hoping that people are going to let you on their land? You know, and kind of depends on what you're after. You know, if we're talking prairie grouse, you know, kind of their their main range throughout the state, their core is kind of in that Sandhills region, which is in north central part of the state. That's predominantly private land, you know, consisting of large ranching operations. But we do have a lot of public land up there as well. A lot of that's going to be federally owned. Some of the uh, more popular prairie grouse hunting areas are owned and managed by Fish and Wildlife Service or Forest Service. And we have several national forests and national wildlife refuges. Those alone are, offer over 300,000 acres, so there's plenty of ground to cover. When it comes to this prairie grouse season, do you get a lot of non-residents, out-of-state hunters, or is it mainly the locals that are taking advantage of this? You know, we get a little of both, and I would say prairie grouse have, have kind of increased in popularity. I think you have a lot more upland hunters that are willing to travel out of state, so we, we do field a lot of calls from hunters that are, you know, looking to, to check off those species or want to experience the sand hills. and so I would say it's a, a pretty good mix of both non-residents and residents. All right, well, let's shift gears and talk about the most popular upland game bird there is, the pheasant. When does pheasant season start? And tell us a little bit about pheasant hunting in Nebraska. Yeah, so our our pheasant season always opens the last Saturday in October, which this year would be on the 29th, and it runs through the end of January. You know, and, and portions of our state continue to provide really good opportunities for pheasants, and it's it all comes down to habitat. You know, Pheasants rely really heavily in these Midwestern states on conservation reserve program lands. You know, we've seen a decline in acres, but in areas where we've kind of maintained that good mix of CRP, small grains, and other odd areas, we still have pretty good numbers. And some of our best areas are kind of in that that western third of the state. The southwest and southern panhandle offer some of our better opportunities. Well, you know, South Dakota gets all the glory, but Nebraska's up there, too. In fact, Pheasants Forever ranks Nebraska in the top eight states for pheasant hunting. But I really think that your state flies under the radar, and a lot of non-residents don't even think of coming. You know, I would tend to agree. I, I think our state offers some pretty unique opportunities, uh, a lot of public land, and a pretty good gateway to a do-it-yourself hunt. If, if you're willing to travel and, and wanting to experience something new, you know, re- really have a lot of different habitat types that are pretty unique, and good opportunities that mix bag, that's the big draw as well. 
You're listening to America Outdoors Radio. We are talking to John Locks. He is the Upland Habitat and Access Program Manager for Nebraska Game and Parks Commission. Let's talk about quail. Let's talk about partridge. What species are we talking about here that you find in Nebraska? Sure. So Nebraska is home to, to northern bobwhite, and we're, we're right at the, the northernmost extent of their range. Here in the state, they cover about two-thirds of Nebraska's counties. And, you know, being at the northernmost edge of the range, our populations are pretty cyclical here. They're often limited by that extreme winter weather, and, and we've, we've been hit pretty hard the past few years. We did have a relatively mild winter this past fall, and so we're, we're bringing more birds into this year's nesting season and hoping for a better hatch this year. And as for the partridge, are we talking about gray partridge, formerly known as Hungarian partridge, before somebody That's got That's correct. Food? Yep, yep. So we do have some pockets of Hungarian partridge kind of in that north-central or northeastern part of the state. Opportunities are, are relatively limited on those compared to some of our other species. When it comes to the prairie grouse, when it comes to the pheasants, how are we looking in terms of populations as opposed to the long-term average? Sure. You know, you look on the drought monitor this year and, and Nebraska definitely lights up a little bit. We've had a pretty tough year as far as uh, precipitation has been really spotty throughout the summer. And so I, I think we're really going to have, you know, some pockets of really good opportunity and some other areas that were hit a little harder. In general, you know, kind of our core areas for pheasants in particular out west have been been pretty dry. Areas throughout the sand hills, it's pretty hit or miss. So Folks planning a trip should really keep an eye on some of those precipitation patterns and drought monitor it really help your success this year. All right, so if you're going to Nebraska, it sounds like quail could be an option this year. Partridge, probably uh, just something you might run into, but definitely the prairie grouse season is worth your time, and so is pheasant hunting. Is there a website folks should go to to find out more about planning a DIY upland bird hunt in Nebraska? You bet. So the, the best place to start is our Upland webpage, which is outdoornebraska.org backslash Upland. And it's, it's really a one-stop shop for all of our Upland hunting information. We have information on our season dates, our bag limits and permit requirements. We also post our survey results and our, our Upland outlook each year. And there's a lot of useful information on there. Is there a lot of information about where the public lands are and where some of the better places are to go hunting for the various species? Yes, so there, there'd be links on that particular website. We do release what's called the Public Access Atlas each year, and that includes all the federally owned lands, the state lands, conservation partner, and then all of the, the private lands enrolled in our Open Fields and Waters program, which is our state walk-in program. Collectively, we have over 1.2 million acres of publicly accessible land throughout the state. All those are displayed in the atlas. That can be requested on our website. We also have it available online as well. Well, you are giving me all sorts of reasons to pack up my shotgun and my bags and head to Nebraska, the Cornhusker State, for some upland bird hunting this fall. I just need to get a new dog first, and then I'm on my way. If you want to do the same, folks, the website to go to is OutdoorNebraska.org. Again, OutdoorNebraska.org. You can also go to BirdHuntNebraska.com. That website, again, BirdHuntNebraska.com. Get started now on planning your upland bird hunting trip to Nebraska. Sounds like it's going to be all sorts of fun. John, thanks so much for sharing this with us today on America Outdoors Radio. You bet. Thanks.
I do love talking about hunting, and if you're a hunter, especially a small game or big game hunter, you really need to check out the lineup of rifles available from Henry Repeating Arms. They've got 22 caliber lever action rifles, and they've got lever action rifles in modern calibers along with heavy hitting calibers too. Bottom line, no matter what you want to hunt in the world of small game and big game, Henry has got you covered. Check out their lineup at HenryUSA.com. And remember that all Henry rifles are made in America. They are all rugged, reliable, accurate out of the box, and come with a lifetime satisfaction guarantee. The website again, HenryUSA.com. And don't forget to ask for your free decals and catalog while you're there. Hunt of a Lifetime is a nationwide nonprofit organization dedicated to providing hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under who suffer from life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. These adventures make big differences in the lives of those who participate in them, and in many cases are literally a dream come true that brings hope and therapy to their lives. Find out more, get involved, or donate today at huntofalifetime.org. That's huntofalifetime.org. Huntofalifetime.org. country hunters and anglers. You may have heard of us, but what are we about? BHA is the voice for your wild public lands, waters, and wildlife. From national level policy work to boots on the ground projects like public land cleanups, we work across North America to uphold the legacy of our public lands and waters, as well as your opportunity to hunt, fish, and recreate on them. Stand up for public lands and waters and become a BHA member today. Visit backcountryhunters.org. Hunting and fishing are exercises in hope. Before you head into the woods, you hope to tag out on a deer you'll have to field dress. Before you make that first cast, you hope for a big fish to clean and fillet. When your hopes are realized, you'll need a sharp knife. Whether you sharpen that blade on a power sharpener in the shop or a manual sharpener in the field, WorkSharp has the tool for you. Look for WorkSharp products in sporting and stores near you or online at WorkSharpTools.com. Ready to step up to a quality-built rifle or shotgun that's a true classic? Check out Henry Repeating Arms, American-made. There's over 200 models to choose from in a variety of finishes and calibers for hunters and target shooters. Many of these are lever-action models with a look right out of the Old West. Don't be deceived, though. Henry Repeating Arms are modern, rugged, accurate, reliable, and have a lifetime guarantee. Find out more and order a free catalog today at HenryUSA.com. That's HenryUSA.com. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack. Sure, you can post your job to some job board, but then all you can do is hope the right person comes along, which is why you should try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com free. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. Its powerful technology identifies people with the right experience and actively invites them to apply to your job. You get qualified candidates fast. So, while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you what you're looking for. The needle in the haystack. Four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free. 
That's right, free. Just go to this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free. ZipRecruiter.com slash free. You're back in with America Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. Our next stop is the Keystone State of Pennsylvania. That's the state that Keith Eschbach calls home. He's the owner of Dutch Fort Custom Lures. He is a walleye and musky fishing maniac. Keith, it is great to have you on the air again. Awesome being back, John. I appreciate it. So let's start off with a walleye fishery report, and let's start off at Lake Erie, which is the place you love to fish for them. Yep. We've got over 95 million walleyes in that lake right now. Wow. And Lake Erie covers five states, and everybody's all the DNRs are saying, keep every walleye you catch. We have too many in the lake. Are you starting to see stunting? In other words, are the walleye getting smaller? No. We've got seven or eight different year classes in there, and, and you'll catch a seven or eight-pound walleye, and then you'll catch a six-incher right by it. Interesting. Very interesting. I will say this, though. Lake Erie definitely has the reputation right now of being probably the best walleye fishery in all of North America. Yes, by far. I mean, anybody can go out on a calm day in any size boat and catch walleyes, catch their limit, and have a great bunch of fish to eat. This time of year, do you fish bottom bouncers and spinner harnesses? And I know you make a, a lot of great spinner harnesses at Dutch Fork Custom Lures. Or are you trolling plugs? We're actually doing both. Um, Some of the bigger charter boats, they're pulling lead core line with plugs to get a lot of fish in the boat real quick. I've been pulling bottom bouncers and our butterfly blades religiously all year long. And for our listeners who have not seen your products before, tell them a little bit about your butterfly blades. They are very unique. Yes, it's a polymer-based blade. It's not metal, and it's a propeller style, and they'll spin at the slightest breeze. And we've found out they're catching salmon, kokanee, lake trout, walleye, bass, everything is eating these. All right. And something else I want to talk about. I was on your Facebook page for Dutch Fork Custom Lures, saw some absolutely beautiful musky plugs. Tell our listeners about these. Yeah, we do a lot of custom painting for our customers, especially the musky and bass and walleye guys. And they send us their request of what they want. The two you're mentioning are probably the brook trout and the chrome rainbow trout we just finished up, and those were on a nine-and-a-half-inch legend lure body, and we epoxy coat them all for durability, and the guys just keep coming back because they keep catching fish on them. I was going to say, they definitely look like fish-catching machines. So, folks, if you want to check out the entire lineup that Dutch Fork Custom Lures has, just go to their website, DutchForkCustomLures.com. That's DutchForkCustomLures.com. Uh, besides Lake Erie, what other lakes or reservoirs or rivers are fishing well right now for walleye? Walleye across the country, you know, Malax Lake, Devil's Lake, Badenoch, anywhere. The walleyes have been biting like crazy. It's just been a great year across the whole entire country. Our blade sales have been doing really well. And, you know, I can't mention enough about how great our fisheries in our country are. What do you attribute that to? Is it just the, the really cool spring that we had this year across the country is equating to some good fishing this summer? I believe the weather, you know, even though some parts of the country got super, super hot, it's just been really good. I think everybody across the country last few years had good walleye spawns, 
and we're just going to see a better and better fishery across the country for the next couple of years. All right, completely different question here, but I've got to ask it. You've caught thousands of walleye in your time. I know you take a bunch home. Obviously, when you charter, you give them to your clients, and I'm sure they ask, how do you cook them up? What's a great recipe? Share it with us. My favorite way is just to broil them or put them in foil with seasoning, butter, little lemon, wrap them in foil, and put them in the fire, in the campfire. Oh, that sounds delicious. That's by far the best. How long do you keep them in there? About five minutes each side? Yep. I put them in there five minutes, turn them over five minutes, grab a pair of gloves, pull them out, unwrap the foil, and you're ready for dinner. Oh, that sounds like a fantastic dinner or shore lunch. All right, folks. And now that we've got you hungry and wanting to catch some walleye, you need to go to DutchForkCustomLures.com. That's the website to go to, DutchForkCustomLures.com. Check out all the products that Keith has for you. Buy some and get out there fishing because the fishing has been really good. Keith, thanks as always. I appreciate it, John. Thank you. Next on America Outdoors Radio, it's time to talk record fish. If you like bass fishing and want a shot at 10 grand, you may want to go fishing before September 30th at Elephant Butte Reservoir in New Mexico. The Elephant Butte Chamber of Commerce is offering that amount of money to any angler who legally catches the new state record smallmouth bass out of that body of water. The record to beat is 7 pounds, 3 ounces, and if you do catch that fish, you'll have to have it weighed on a certified scale at the Butte General Store in town with witnesses. I was curious about this and contacted the chamber by email twice to get some answers. Unfortunately, I got no answers. I also called, and the volunteer that I talked to on the phone at the visitor center said he didn't know anything about this, but I can tell you it is posted on the Elephant Butte Chamber of Commerce website, and they put out a press release about this last week, too. So I did a little research, and after I did, I ended up with more questions. I assumed the previous record, Smallmouth, probably came from Elephant Butte if they were doing this. Turns out, though, it didn't. The standing record was caught by John Cale back in 2006 at Ute Lake. You want more intrigue? Well, there was a record bass caught out of Elephant Butte Reservoir. It's the record striped bass, a 45-inch long, 54.5-pound monster that was caught out of Elephant Butte in 1992 by Jim Secor. So, was there a serious typo by the chamber or... Do they have some info suggesting the next record smallmouth might be an Elephant Butte Reservoir? I will say this, inquiring minds want to know, but it sounds like you'll have to visit Elephant Butte yourself to find out. If you do, good luck, and let me know if you catch that record bass. Moving on, we've got a heartwarming story from the Fishing Wire that involves the Wolf Creek National Fish Hatchery. They are providing fishing for nursing home residents. For the past 13 years, the Fish Hatchery has hosted a fishing derby for senior citizens at Hatchery Creek, and it's always been a big hit, with several participants expressing their excitement every year, but it became evident there were seniors who wanted to participate but physically couldn't. To remedy this, the staff at the Fish Hatchery decided to take fishing to them. Project leader James Gray and Chris Wilson and Mackenzie Foster transported rainbow trout to the Fair Oaks Health and Rehabilitation Center in Jamestown, Kentucky, so residents there could enjoy a day of fishing in their own backyard. 
With plenty of bait, several participants were able to reel in a trophy, and some were even lucky enough to catch two or three. For most of the residents, this was an opportunity to rekindle a hobby they had enjoyed regularly for years, and for others, it was a chance to catch their very first fish. 2021 was the hatchery's first time offering this event, and after that successful day of fishing and numerous requests of residents, the staff decided to make it an annual occasion. Additionally, this year, the Wolf Creek National Fish Hatchery will be adding a second location, the Summit Manor Nursing Home, to the list. The staff say they look forward to many more years, providing a fun event for anglers who may not have the opportunity to get out of the water. That's a great story. Definitely a tip of the hat to the staff there at the Wolf Creek National Fish Hatchery for making some lives a little bit better in their golden years. Finally, we've got a great story from Field and Stream. Have you heard of a million-dollar fish before? Well, how about a four-and-a-half million-dollar fish? That's what Jeremy Duffy caught on August 12th, about 100 miles off the coast of Ocean City, Maryland. The fish in question was a white marlin weighing 77 and a half pounds, which is a nice fish, but not exceptionally large when you consider how big a white marlin can get. Duffy was fishing in the White Marlin Open, which is held every year in Ocean City, Maryland. And throughout its 50-year existence, the tournament has doled out more than $86 million in prize money to participating anglers. The organizers call it the world's largest and richest bill fishing tournament. Duffy brought his 77.5-pound fish to the weigh-in, and it turned out that was the biggest White Marlin of the tournament this year. So he got a paycheck of $4 million five hundred and thirty six thousand nine hundred twenty six dollars which is reportedly the largest sum ever paid for a single fish congratulations jeremy and as for the rest of us maybe we should stop buying lottery tickets and start entering marlin tournaments instead on that note we've got to wrap things up for the week but i would like to thank our guests who are very generous with their time and their information helped us put together a great show for you, and I hope that you'll put some of that information to use. Whether you decide to go upland bird hunting in Nebraska, fishing in Northern California, troll for walleye on Lake Erie, or cook up some burgers and dove kebabs for the Labor Day weekend. They all sound like worthwhile activities to me. Here's hoping you are blessed in the days ahead, healthy too, and do remember this. It is your country and your outdoors, so get out there and enjoy it. Yeah.